Good morning. I am not Bill McCaskill. Bill McCaskill is sitting down there. He'll be coming up after a few minutes. But uh, we are here for the CSSM week, and we always look forward to this time of being on campus with students. And um, we are trusting that we'll be a blessing in your lives, and we know you're a blessing in our lives when we get to know each and every one of you. So we're looking forward to the next couple of days when we're here together. Uh, I sometimes feel like an Egyptian mummy, pressed for time, uh, but nevertheless... uh, (laughs) Um, we are anticipating uh, two more people to arrive that were supposed to be on platform this morning for a brief presentation from Hampton Bible Camp. They are out skating on the road somewhere. We're not just exactly sure, but they're probably going around in circles. However, we do have Gary Long with us, uh, a former Atlantic director, and uh, we have been changing jobs for the last 20 years back and forth. Uh, I'm his boss, and he's my boss. Now I'm his boss again. It's really exciting, but uh, I'm glad we can do that, actually. It's a good relationship. And Gary has something to share that's uh, been a burden and a ministry of his for the last few years, and I'd like Gary to come up and do that right now. Good morning. Good morning. It is good to be here with you this morning. Have you ever prayed about something and prayed about something and prayed about something only to uh, finally look in the mirror and find out that you are the answer to that prayer? And uh, a number of years ago, almost 10 years ago now, I was praying um, and walking and praying about uh, uh, the needs of CSSM Atlantic and the needs of our campers and the fact that uh, we, have, we have a great number of uh, campers uh, and who need sponsorship. We have a great number of, of children and young people who want to come to camp. And I met many of those, especially when I was directing at Cape Breton Bible Camp, who want to come to camp, but they can't afford to come to camp because their family doesn't have the money, because maybe their parents would let them go to a Bible camp if someone else paid. But they're not going to pay. So over those, uh, in those years, I was praying about that, and the Lord gave me this idea about cycling. And uh, I used to cycle a lot. I used to, the, the two-and-a-half-mile drive for my mother's that I'd made this morning on the ice, uh, I used to do that, you know, in just a few seconds, literally, uh, and come down the hill quite fast and thought, yeah, I should, I should do some cycling, but that would kill me. <laughs> so, so I put that off for a couple years, two years ahead, got an opportunity to play some hockey, and at the end of that hockey season, um, the Lord said, brought that back to my mind and said, Gary, you need to do this. So since 2007, whether by myself or, or with a friend or with uh, a number of people, um, not, not a great number, I've been cycling in uh, the Maritime or in Atlantic Canada. I've uh, uh, long distance cycling, usually over a week, say the last week in May, I will cycle 500 plus kilometers in that week. And uh, all to raise awareness in the needs of campers. Last year, I headed out from Sussex to go to Perth Andover. I got caught in some really cold weather uh, the second day. So I only got to do about 500 kilometers that week instead of 600. And then later uh, on that spring, June 17th, got to do my first century, which for those of you who do some cycling, that's 100 miles in one day. Started at Sandy Cove Bible Camp, at actually at Dennis and Gwen's house and cycled almost to my house in Sussex. And uh, all four, now I do, you know, reap, uh, even though it might not look like it this morning, I do reap the benefit of the exercise. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it is good and healthy, 
uh, for me, but I don't just get out there and cycle because it's good for me, because I'd probably stop at about 50k uh, if, it was, if it was that. I've cycled over the past number of years over in events over 3,500 kilometers. We've seen over $20,000 come in to help 175 campers. Why? So they can attend a CSSM Atlantic camp. So they can hear the gospel. And so, so that they might have the opportunity to trust Christ as their Savior. And Cycle for Campers does, does that and has been doing that. Now, how can you get involved? Uh, up on the table, there will be some uh, brochures about Cycle for Campers. We have a, a website, cycleforcampers.ca. I uh, also have a blog that right now it's inactive, but it'll, uh, when I'm doing my cycling, uh, updating where I am and what I'm doing, how the weather is, and how many flat tires I've had. Praise the Lord. Over all these kilometers, I've only ever had one flat tire on the road. But how can you get involved? Well, you can give. If you aren't already tithing in your life, and you might think, well, I don't have a lot of money. It doesn't take a lot. You should, be, you should be giving some to something. You could go. There are probably per capita more people in this room who could cycle with me and who are ready to get on a bike and cycle with me than most groups that I talk to, especially you know, at local churches. You can pray. Pray for me as I go. Pray for safety. Pray for the Lord's provision. And you can encourage children and teens to attend a Bible camp. Because you know children in your circle of influence, you know teens. And encourage them to attend a week of Bible camp. Because that week could change the course of the rest of their life. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, my name is Ben Lawson, and I just arrived about two minutes ago. If anyone here drives, don't. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, I'm here representing Hampton Bible Camp as the new director, and uh, it's uh, really great to be here. Um, I was a student here a long, long time ago, and uh, there's not a whole lot I could share with you. There's, uh, I don't know, Isaac was going to put some pictures up here to show our website, uh, so you can just kind of have a look there. I don't have any fancy pictures. Uh, I'm still, I'm in bathroom mode right now. I'm renovating our bathrooms top to bottom, uh, or left to right, however you want to look at it. We've stripped it all down, so I'm still in bathroom mode. So I, you know, I'm, not, I'm a little unprepared picture-wise and stuff for, for the camp, but I'm here looking for summer workers. We're in need of program director. Uh, if you're a cook, we'd love to have you maybe for, for that. Uh, some of our senior staff, male and female. Um, what else do we have? We have a barn, a pool, anyone's lifeguard, we'd love to have you come and join us. So we have some of our staff here this year. If anyone's worked at Hampton Bible Camp before, could you stand up, please? All right. About uh, maybe a fifth of the student body, okay? <laughs> so, uh, so if you want to find out more about our camp, please talk to some of these good people. Uh, anyone that stood up, would love to have you come back as well. Uh, one thing I would like to just share with you is that 19 years ago this month, a 16-year-old stood on this platform, wherever it used to be, and represented Hampton Bible Camp then. And that 16-year-old was me. And uh, I was here with the former director at the time, Dwayne Gray. And uh, Mr. Gray, as I know him, many people call him just Dwayne now, uh, but Mr. Gray is a mentor of mine. He is someone that uh, discipled me and brought me up through uh, my teenage years and gave me an opportunity to serve 
and be a part of this amazing ministry. And what Hampton Bible Camp, from my point of view, is not only is to bring the gospel to the kids that come to our camp, and, and there's many that come from backgrounds that don't hear the gospel, some from uh, social service backgrounds, some from just air, uh, you know families in the community. They see the advertisement. They want to send their kids off to camp for a week. So we get lots uh, through that, that way. But from my point of view, I see it as also a way to build into the lives of the young people for beyond their salvation, but discipleship. And that's what Jesus said, is go out and make disciples of all men. And it's not just uh, bringing them into heaven. It's about training them up and giving them a lifelong mission and purpose. And because of the people in my life, that's why I can stand here 19 years later and uh, share this amazing ministry with you. And uh, if you want to build into the lives of, of young people, or if you would allow me to build into your life, I would love to have you come be a part of our ministry. I'm going to be around the, uh, the grounds for the day. I'll be taken off for, uh, to see some people this evening, uh, but I'll be back tomorrow morning again. So I'd love to chat with you. Uh, grab me. Uh, Anyone that is part of our staff or would like to meet with me, I would like to set up a meeting this afternoon. I don't know what, where you usually meet, but uh, let's say maybe around 3 o'clock we'll have a meeting. Um, junior classroom, okay? So 3 o'clock, I'd love to see you. Okay? So thank you very much, and uh, God bless. Well, it is great to uh, be here with you. Uh, yeah, Bev and I uh, came in yesterday from Winnipeg, and I'm, I'm a prairie boy, and so um, when I woke up this morning and, and daylight began to come, and I could look out my window, we're staying over at the carriage house, I could look out the window and see things that I don't normally see, uh, trees, a river, and a hill. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, it's... Uh, <laughs> Gorgeous, gorgeous setting, and uh, it, it's so good to be here with you. We, we've heard so much about this school, not only the, the roots that NBBI has with CSSM, but because uh, so many of our, our missionaries here in this area, this school has been, been their home, and so many of you serve or have gone to uh, one of our camps here. So it, it's, it's just great. It's a real privilege to, to be here. You know, uh, thank you, Ben, and, and thank you, for Gary, for, for sharing. Camp ministry... Um, for some unique reason, God has used it and continues to use it, not just here, but across the country. Uh, CSSM, we have over 40 camps that stretch from coast to coast, over 21,000 children and youth every year through our camp, camps. And, you know, over half of those, they, um, they come from a home where they just do not hear about Jesus. And it, it's hard to get our heads around that. But let me just give you a picture, a, a story. Uh, a little girl, uh, she's eight years old, she's in a chapel at camp, and she's flipping through her, Bible, or her cabin leader's Bible. She sees a picture of Jesus on the cross, and she asks, what the guy do to get up there? No conception of what a cross is. You, you would think, being in Canada, we would hear of Easter, you know, everybody would kind of know, they may not believe, but they would know, but just no idea. And camp ministry year after year, has been this amazing way that God just connects with those that he's calling to be his children. And we get to be a part of that. And that's just so, so exciting. I want to uh, just, as a bit of a devotional thought, and, you know, you kind of, Albert and I were chatting a little bit about this uh, last night. It's a little, you know, 
overwhelming in some sense. You, you guys get awesome Bible teaching here, you know, before chapel, after chapel, and then, you know, we, we kind of come, and we're going to give you more Bible teaching. And so, you know, don't, don't rank us as far as that goes, but we just, you know, we're going to share what's kind of what's on our heart. Uh, last June, uh, Bev and I were meeting with our national board, and uh, they do a I learned a new word. Bev and I, we've been doing this job together oh, since January. Before then, I was the uh, field director in Manitoba for a couple of years. Before then, uh, we were a pastor couple for five years, and then I was in business. So that's kind of my life in 15 seconds. Um, we, we were at our national board meeting. Our national board has an in-camera session where they kind of ask those that are the director couple to leave, and then they talk about you, and then they invite you back in. So we, we kind of did that. So they said, we're having our in-camera session now. So we kind of walked out, and we, it was at a camp. We were holding the meeting, so we, we walked around the grounds. And then 15 minutes later, they called us back in. And we sat across from the board, and the board, one of the board members looked at us and asked us this question. What is your greatest need? And that's exactly what I did. I said Nothing. And I said, so do you want to clarify that? Like, could you put some parameters on that? Like, my greatest need right now, because I'm hungry? My gr- like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, my greatest need. And th- that's all they said. What is your greatest need? And that question, even after the meeting was over, it really lingered with me. You know, what is your greatest need? Yeah, I, I look back over my life at different times when I think of myself being in high school if somebody would ask me that question I would have said you know my greatest need is I can figure out between these two schools which one I should be going to Briarcrest which is this big school on the prairies or a school that's very similar to this one except we've dropped an I dropped a B and it's not Bible we dropped Brunswick because it's Nippon Bible Institute NBI so it's very close to NBBI and that was my greatest need which school should I go to Right? I think of after going to college and being you know, part of an awesome community, somebody would ask me then, I thought, well, what's my greatest need? I, I need to know the will of God here because do I go with, you know, do Bev and I and our family go with Youth for Christ or do we you know, be a youth pastor? I need to know what, what's God's will for me. That's my greatest need, isn't it? Or when I was in my 20s and I got a phone call from my pastor that my mom had been killed in a car accident was my greatest need then. It's hard to put into words, right? So what really, because those things that I would say those would be my greatest needs, those are good things to want, to desire. But when somebody uses the word greatest, you know, the words that come to me are like ultimate. What is the ultimate thing that you need at this point? Just let that question hang there. I think of the book of Revelation and Jesus' words to his church at Ephesus. It's interesting, right? Because Ephesus is the one church where we see the birth, the middle life, and nearing the death of a single church. Right? We have the birth in Acts. We have the middle life of that church with a letter to it from Paul. And then we have Jesus' words here near the end. This is what Jesus says to that group. 
of believers. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. That's awesome. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the first things, or else I will come to you quickly and remove the lampstand from its place, unless you repent. You know, we could look at that and we could say, well, the greatest need we should have is to keep our first love, which is Christ. Now, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more because there's more here than that. Because Jesus actually gives a challenge to the other churches that is different than Ephesus, right? Ephesus had some really awesome things going for it. It had doctrine, like it really knew the truth, right? Because it was saying here, you've, been test- you've tested those who said they're apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. The only way you do that is if you know the truth, if you know the word of God. Some of the other churches didn't know that, and Jesus took them to task on that. But the believers in Ephesus, they knew that, so that's a good thing. They had that, that, that head truth. It was up here, they knew what was true. Not only that, but things were hard, and they persevered. They stuck to it, and that was awesome. So they had the head, if you want to think visually here, they had the head, they knew the truth, they had the feet, right? If you guys, and if you haven't, um, and if our Lord tarries, you will in life, because life is hard, going to come across a point in your life where you physically and emotionally, it takes almost everything out of you, where you feel to get up in the morning and you literally feel like you have to concentrate on putting one step in front of the other. To me, that's a good visual of what perseverance is. So this church, right, these people here, they had their head figured out, right, as far as this is the truth, we know this. They stuck to it, right? Even when they were being persecuted, they didn't feel like it, no matter what their emotional state, they stuck to it, they persevered, they had their feet going in the right direction. But Jesus said, you're missing something. And for me, if I were to sum these three together, And as I let that question linger, what is your greatest need? I believe that our greatest need, no matter what we are going through, no matter whether you're on top of a mountain or in the valley, whether you're going through the most difficult time, no matter whether you're 20 or you're 80, no matter whether you're single or married, no matter what we find ourselves in, our greatest need at any time is that we would know God more. That is our greatest need. And that is here. I believe we got these like these these three pillars to knowing God, knowing the truth of God, persevering in that truth, and having a heart that hungers and delights in God. That's what the believers here in Ephesus were missing. They were missing that passion and that heart for knowing God. See, if we have just the truth, I shouldn't say just truth, if we have the truth, 
And if we persevere in the truth, but we don't have the heart, do you know what we have? We have cold religion. We do not have the life of fullness of Christ as we can have. We are not abiding in the vine and being fruitful. But when those three come together, when the truth and the fact that we'll persevere and that we ask God to stir in our hearts to give us a passion and a desire to know Him more, then we know God and know Him. When we were pastoring, we had a family in our church, Daryl and Suzanne. Daryl used to play uh, junior hockey. And I, I kind of, you know, I could tell people I know hockey. We got the Jets back in Winnipeg, right? That's pretty exciting. And, you know, I know hockey, but, and I kind of skate, but not really, right? But Daryl, he knows hockey, right? Like, he knows it to the fact that he knows, you know, almost every player in the NHL. He knows, like, every, you know, single rule. He knows coaching techniques. So he's got it up here. When he was playing junior hockey, it didn't matter what he felt like. He always showed up for those 6 a.m. practices. His dad always built the rink in the back, so he always would practice, right? He persevered through that stuff, whether he had a cramp or an injury. He practiced, practiced. But he had a desire, right? He loved the game. He knew hockey. When God, by his Spirit, calls us, and he saves us. He invites us on a journey to know him more and more each and every day. And so when you're going through a difficult time, you pray for that. You can pray for the difficult time to maybe, you know, get over quickly. That makes sense. We have a, a son and daughter-in-law who just moved 17 hours away from us with our grandson, it's actually their son too, so that makes sense. But I mean, it's our grandson moving away. Um, 17 hours to go to school at Peace River Bible Institute. That's very exciting. I pray that they'll have a safe trip. I pray that they will get connected with the community. I pray that they'll make friends. Those are good things to pray for. But what has changed as I've lingered on this question, what is my greatest need? What is Stephen and Samantha's greatest need? Their greatest need drives me to pray that no matter what happens, God, stir in their hearts so they will know you more. And that's my prayer for you. And we're going to look at, tomorrow morning, Lord willing, look at, you know, what does that look like? How, how do we? Because Jesus said, remember those things you did at first and do those things again. But let that question linger in your hearts and in your minds. What is your greatest, most ultimate need? Amen.